Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I am stunned and shocked and amazed that people don't know how to stay out of a non-fight being ginned up by others in hopes of dragging you into a fight. There's a never-ending number of people who are hopeful they can drag you into a fight, drag you into some kind of attack so they can build themselves up while tearing you down. As the expression goes, never punch down. Never punch down. And I see people on social media do this all the time. They'll get into a fight with anyone, anywhere, anytime. The guy's got seven followers. They're into a fight. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having seven followers on social media. I'm saying, is every person worth a response? I've dealt with people who have millions of followers not worthy of a response. i got a life to lead. There are shows to do, videos to create, cigars to smoke, bourbon to drink. My gosh, there's a steak to eat. A brisket is on the smoker. Daddy's busy. In this conversation, I'm Daddy. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. You don't get it into every fight. Some things you just leave it on B. And sometimes the people trying to drag you into the fight aren't isn't the person. It's the people around you. Desperate for the fight. They're desperate to see the destruction because, well, it does them some good. So they try and figure out how can I make this happen. Two men enter. One man leads. Two men enter. One man leads. Two men enter. One man leads. It was the hill today. And I swear to you, this was not my top story of the day uh, earlier when I was setting up the show. This was not it. I mean, this was on the calendar, but this was not the story. Oh, no, 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 no. The top top story right now uh, that wasn't supposed to be Trump-DeSantis rivalry approaches boiling point. What? Oh, God! That's... That's not true. It's embarrassing! Trump-DeSantis rivalry approaches boiling point? This is from TheHill.com. Max Greenwood supposedly reporting. What the? What the hell is this? Absolutely no one thinks that this is true. All right, all right, all right. Uh 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 uh. This is a media manufactured insanity, desperate to create a fight between DeSantis and Trump. Sure, Trump has said things regarding DeSantis. Uh, it'd be unloyal if he if he ran for president. I would laugh in Donald Trump's face if he said that to me. I'd laugh in his face. Not being loyal. Nobody owes you loyalty. The loyalty's to the nation, not to people. Settle down. Well, I endorsed him for governor. He'd be nowhere without me. Yeah, that was then. I'm sorry, do we not live in the now? I wonder if Donald Trump ever did a business deal with somebody that he doesn't do a business deal with now. I'm just talking in the real world, folks. If Trump was the nominee and he was going up against Biden, I would vote for Trump. It would not take me a second. 
Trump would give me better policies, allowing me to lead a better life, and I am very much into what's in it for me. What's in it for the country? Trump policies would be better. There it is. That's all there is to it. Nothing more, nothing less. But the idea that someone else shouldn't run because of loyalty... That's that's just silly Trumpism silliness. I don't pay any pay it any mind. Other people can pay it a mind. I I think they're out of their heads. Someone had mentioned that you know you take the never Trumper stance, which is a ridiculous stance of pseudo intellectuals, and conservatives who took that stance are not conservatives. I don't know what the hell they are, but they're not conservatives. Never communism, yes. Never Trump. Well, that's just weird. That doesn't make any sense. That is a valueless proposition. Well, wouldn't an equally valueless proposition be always Trump or only Trump? I would say yes. You mean if somebody else won the nomination, you wouldn't vote? You're a freak. If you are on the political right and it was, um, well, anybody really. I'm not saying who you'd vote for in a primary, but you, you, you made your vote, you made your case, and and all of a sudden, uh, it's Nikki Haley is the Republican nominee. You're not voting for Nikki Haley o- over Joe Biden? Okay. But, but saying n- only Trump is you wouldn't vote for anybody else over Donald Trump if they won the nomination. And I would say that makes you weird. That's a mistake. A giant mistake. Only Trump is as weird as never Trump. That doesn't mean you can't advocate for your guy. You feel free. But over here at the Hill, they're not advocating for a guy. They're advocating for a fight. Trump-DeSantis rivalry approaches boiling point. I didn't even need to read the article. I thought it was ridiculous. They really are trying to drag... Ron DeSantis into this. Now, Ron DeSantis is busy. He's talking about education reform, and he's bringing up the fact that Newsmax, which recently got dropped by DirecTV, well, that's a, that's a problem. They're asking him the question about it, about why it is that Newsmax was dropped, and does it require or warrant some level of investigation? Should there be an investigation into what uh, DirecTV did here? That's I mean, I think question. there should be no ideological litmus test when you have these big companies that have the decision to make or break uh, a news network or any type of network. And they'll give different rationales for why they don't want to do it. But the reality is they have so much other content that is very lightly viewed, and yet they keep that on. And it seems it's the One America News and the Newsmax who are being targeted. Uh, so I think it does warrant an investigation. I mean, I think probably the Congress and the House would probably be best equipped to do it. We have helped all these uh, organizations who've been under pressure since I've been governor, and if there are things we can do. But I really think this is something that the Congress needs to look at. According to DirecTV, Newsmax wanted to renegotiate the contract, and they wanted too much money, and it just didn't work out. You mean it worked out with everybody else but Newsmax? You, you dropped them because they're conservative. That's the Ron DeSantis that people want to hear from. That's the Ron DeSantis that people like. Not afraid to get into that fight. Not afraid to get into that mix. 
Not afraid of these social issues. Not afraid to notice the, these nonsensical, nonstop attacks on people on the political right. That's why people like him. But am I supposed to ask myself why in the world when Ron DeSantis is cruising in Florida, he's making his own noise, making his own press, controlling his destiny, is he now buying in to this idea of defending himself from Trump attacks or building on a rivalry? All out of bed. I have people attacking me from all angles. It's been happening for many, many years. And if you look at the good thing about it, though, is like if you take a crisis situation like COVID, you know, the good thing about it is when you're an elected executive, you have to make all kinds of decisions. You've got to steer that ship. And the good thing is, is that the people are able to render a judgment on that, whether they reelect you or not. And I'm happy to say, you know, in my case, not only did we win reelection, we won with the highest percentage of the vote that any Republican governor candidate has in the history of the state of Florida. <laughs> we won by the largest raw vote margin, over 1.5 million votes, than any uh, governor candidate has ever had in Florida history. And in fact, we almost doubled the previous record, which I think was like 780,000 vote margin. And so what I would just say is uh, that verdict has been rendered by the people of the state of Florida. Is Ron DeSantis actually dipping his toes into this fight? It's not even February. What the hell is he doing? I laughed at this headline, Trump-DeSantis rivalry approaches boiling point. And there's Ron DeSantis? What? what? St- stop it. Stop it. This is, this is a terrible idea. You think this fight is necessary now? Not at all. Not at all. The left doesn't have a candidate for 2024. We really think it's Joe Biden and everything's possible. If it's not Joe Biden, do we really think it's Kamala Harris? (laughs) They're floundering, they're failing. Let them stay out of the way. You gotta take up all the oxygen in the room. Bunch of damn fools. Really, really is something radically inept. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised by it. I don't want the fight. I don't care about fights. Let other people do those things. Big mistake from DeSantis. Now on Twitter. Uh, I get a message, didn't we learn our lesson with the Paul Ryan Bush types? To pretend that DeSantis doesn't have that connection is naive. You you think Ron DeSantis is Paul Ryan? Uh, Okay, you think uh, Ron DeSantis is Paul Ryan. You're wrong. 
But, you know, you, you, you do what you must if you actually think that's the case. No, no one sees it that way. You know, take that back. Only the people who are only Trump see it that way. And that's exactly the kind of nonsense that if you ask me, I'm not going to play around with. I'm not going to get into. It's very obvious when you look at the state of Florida that you're not having a connection between Ron DeSantis and, let's say, John Boehner. You just don't have it. So why in the world are we now putting that out there? You want me to buy into that? I'm not doing it. Oh, I'm weak? I'm a rhino? Please get in line with the rest of the fools. I'm ready for the fight on this one. And what is my fight? What are you doing? I didn't say I wasn't going to vote for Trump. I didn't say I wasn't going to vote for DeSantis. I didn't say I was going to vote for either one. I'm saying that DeSantis shouldn't get involved in this stuff at all. He doesn't have to. All you're doing is engaging a fight that doesn't help anybody on the political right and only helps people on the political left and those in the mainstream media who want to talk about a fight on the political right. What are you doing? I get it. Why should you have to sit there and take it from Donald Trump when Trump will just go about and attack you? I think it makes Trump look worse because he can't damn well control himself. You control the entire narrative. Why not just control it? Why not just control it? That's what it seems to me you should do. I don't... I can't believe it takes this much work. But, yep, this is dipping the toe in the water from Ron DeSantis. And if he ain't careful, he'll be talking about Trump every damn day. Huge mistake. Huge. I'm Tony Counts. Many different takes... Um, regarding what Project Veritas found in an undercover video about uh, Pfizer and COVID. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. And whether or not Pfizer is indeed engaged in conversations about mutations, are they somehow manipulating some level of, of data... Uh, you can check out Project Veritas. And, I, and I'm a fan of Project Veritas. Right? O'Keefe saying that Pfizer director on camera saying they're mutating COVID-19 virus to increase infectiousness. I, I, I have only seen clips of the video. I haven't seen the totality of the video. So I'm going to reserve judgment there. That is, I, I bring it up because I, I never like to... Um, Think that I don't want anyone to think that somehow I ever avoid something. I don't avoid subjects here. I I sometimes don't get to everything. Sometimes I haven't uh, totally engrossed myself in it. But I, I I will and and I do. But this comes up because um, Zachary Levi, who is Shazam, uh, he was uh, the guy from Chuck. Uh, he was in the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. He uh, saw a tweet 
from someone by the name of Lyndon Wood. I don't know who Lyndon Wood is with 100,000 followers. I don't know who, who they are. Uh, but in their bio, it says, controversial figure who has previously espoused anti-vax views and transphobic rhetoric. Okay, I have no idea who the dude is. None. Do you agree or not that Pfizer is a real danger to the world was the question. Zachary Levi, the actor, responds by saying, hardcore agree. People went crazy. They went out of their minds. Me watching Zachary Levi destroy his career for no reason. Please, won't somebody help him learn how to discuss this? Bro, are you in some kind of contest with Ezra Miller or something? Ezra Miller plays The Flash. Ezra Miller uh, has uh, gender dysphoria uh, issues. Uh, Ezra Miller uh, has other uh, mental issues and possibly some addiction issues and put himself in rehab and all the rest. All he said was that he agreed that Pfizer's a danger. Somebody else put out Y'all just haven't been paying attention to Zachary Levi. He's a hardcore Trump Christian who supports Jordan Peterson, calling him a deep thinker, a transphobe who's appeared on the 700 Club, a Trump Republican Christian network that has hates that hates uh, minorities and gays for existing. Oh, oh, so so he's not um, a progressive in Hollywood. Right, because anybody could could fit into these categories, right? Oh my gosh, he likes Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Therefore, he's the enemy of humanity. I I do not know. I absolutely positively don't know the dude's politics. It's the first I, I I've seen it. I thought he was good in Shazam. I thought it was a fun movie. But I I must state that it would be weird for someone to say, you know, they agree that Pfizer's a danger, to then go to, um, he hates gay people for existing. I don't know. I don't know what else he's written. I'm going just by that. I don't know how you get to, to, the, to the place. I don't know why you get to the place. I don't know why I can't notice that there's some issues with Pfizer. Why can't I notice this? Why can't I notice there are some problems? Doesn't seem rational to me. It seems rational that you should be able to say things without others thinking that your career should end. And you should have to defend the things that you say. These are the two parts that seem totally, totally normal to me. By the way, Pfizer... If they engaged in, in, in conversation or they engaged in activities that um, either try to help their stock price by um, facilitating or, or pushing the idea that, oh, we're not, we're not done with this COVID thing, well, that could be an issue. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no to that. But if you look at all the headlines, they're expecting revenues to fall 60% in 2023 because they're not having as many people get the COVID vaccine. This 
is Tony Katz today? So as you know, there was a shooting that took place in Israel. Seven people were murdered in a synagogue. Palestinians cheered. Um, you know, the standard. As the kids would say, the huge. I don't know if kids actually say that anymore. But seven people are dead. Palestinians cheered. That is life in Israel. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.locals.com. TonyKatz.locals.com. Dot com. So, in response, there was a statement from the National Security Minister, Itamar Ben-Gvir, saying when civilians have guns, they can defend themselves. So they are announcing that thousands of additional citizens will be able to carry weapons once new policies are put in place. They will move to expedite the process for firearms licensing. This is not the United States, now is it? Every single conversation about something horrible that happens, and you will not get me to disagree that there are too many horrible things. I laugh for the desire not to cry. Too many horrible things. And the answer is always take away the rights of those people who could act in a way to engage a protection. There's a shooting, take away the guns. There's a this, take away the guns. There's a that, take away the guns. That is the, the hallmark of the political left, regardless of how ignorant it is. And it is quite ignorant. Israel, they've got a different view. Their view is, let's make sure that our citizenry can keep themselves protected. So Israel doesn't have what we have. They don't have a Second Amendment. Remember how different the United States is. But if you're a citizen, if you have a basic knowledge of Hebrew, certain professions you can apply to own a, 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 a firearm. And of course, there's you're in the military, right? That just happens. You are going to do a certain number of years of, of military service. But what an interesting approach, an approach of let's ensure that our citizens can take care of themselves. It's one that I respect. Meanwhile, big moves on the political front where in Indiana, Mitch Daniels, the former governor, the former president of Purdue University, has decided not to run for Senate. Congressman Jim Banks had already declared, and now it seems that he's got this nomination locked up. Congressman Banks scheduled to join us in just a few. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today. After what I hope was adequate reflection, I've decided not to become a candidate for the U.S. Senate. With full credit and respect for the institution and those serving in it, I conclude that it's just not the job for me, not the town for me, and not the life I want to live at this point. And with that, former Indiana governor, former president of Purdue University, Mitch Daniels, 
decides not to enter the race for U.S. Senate in Indiana. The race happening because Mike Braun, the current senator, said, you know what, I'd rather be governor. Leaving us to wonder who will be the Republican nominee. It was Congressman Jim Banks who announced first a little over a week ago and has spent this time just racking up endorsement after endorsement, including just today, the endorsement of Senator J.D. Vance. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Congressman Jim Banks joins us right now of the Indiana 3rd District, a candidate for Senate here in the state of Indiana, and uh, saw there that you were meeting with the former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Boris Johnson, on the hill the pictures were out i will ask you uh, about bojo's take on prince harry uh coming up but first your take on governor daniels uh deciding not to get into this race which has got to be a pretty nice sigh of relief for you and your team well tony I, i've said uh many times I, I have a lot of respect for governor daniels i served in the state house and the state senate for the, the last two years of the daniels administration and what he did for our state uh, is significant. Uh, what he did at Purdue was really important as president there. And I, I, I told Governor Daniels a couple weeks ago when I called him that, you know, re- really do believe there's a role that he has to play and as a senior statesman in advising uh, my generation, our generation, on the, the big issues of our day, like the national debt, which I know is very important to him. As he mentioned in his letter, the, the China threat and what we're going to do about it is very important. So, I have a lot of respect for him. Our campaign is off to a great start. You mentioned Senator J.D. Vance's endorsement today, uh, Senator Tom Cotton, Senator Marco Rubio. I want to be a part of that that new generation of conservative leadership in the Senate and uh, excited about that opportunity. And over the next couple of years, we have a long ways to go. It's only January in the year before the election year. So we have a long ways to go to go out and, and uh, campaign around the state. I'm looking forward to it. But the, clearly, the, the the purpose of getting in the race early, I mean, we're, we're people who pay attention, is to try and keep other people from getting in the race and show the hot hands. Over the course of the past week or so, every day I get another email. You get endorsements within the state of Indiana, endorsements from outside the state of Indiana. I think you had uh, Senator Tom Cotton. Uh, uh, there was one of the, those those first endorsements, the endorsement uh, from, from Vance. Is it your belief that being first, first to, to market, if you will, and seeing Daniels not get in this race, that that's really going to be kind of the maneuver to keep other Republicans from getting into this race? Or are you anticipating others to join in now that former Governor Daniels has made his decision? Well, I mean, there, there are lots of uh, there were lots of parts. Uh, to the to my decision to get in when I did. I mean, I'm I'm not Tony. I'm not a self funder. Um, I, I don't have millions of dollars in my bank account that I can self fund a statewide race. These campaigns are very expensive, so I knew I needed to get started early because I had to go out and start that process of raising money, building support, showing strength. I have no doubt that there will be others who get into the race, but. I'm going to go out and do my part and work hard every single day to make my case around the state. I mean, I I come from a a great district in northeast Indiana and enjoy a lot of support from where I come from. But there are lots of people around the state who I don't know yet, who don't know what I stand for, uh, who are hungry for strong conservative leadership 
in the Senate coming from Indiana, but I, I got to go sell myself and make that case. And that's why I got in the race when I did. But the support has been overwhelming. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm proud to have the support of Cotton and Rubio and J.D. Vance, but the support that we're getting from state reps, state senators, sheriffs, county chairmen, county chairwomen for the Republican Party around the state, it's been overwhelming, and, and we're just getting started. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, a Republican candidate for Senate in the state of Indiana. Um, the, the, the conversations uh, about Daniels involved in something interesting, and, and I caught it from a lot of, of corners. Of course, there was the massive ad buy from the Club for Growth, but there was uh, articles over there at Town Hall from friends like, like Kurt Schlichter uh, and, and others that Mitch Daniels is simply the wrong kind of Republican for the state of Indiana. It, it brings about the idea uh, that first uh, there is there is what was the Republican Party and what is the Republican Party, and then there was the idea of, of that conferring the ideas of strength and conviction as you see it is there an old school republican and a new school republican and what are you well i i definitely i certainly don't see it that way uh, again i i respect them learned a lot from him and remember when he became the governor governor of indiana in 2004 that was after 16 years of failed democrat leadership in the governor's office and he had big, big problems to solve for our state. I mean, we had a budget deficit. He turned it into a budget surplus. Uh, he ran the state like a business, like in it, like the executive that he was, and uh, set our state down a path uh, that made Indiana the envy of the rest of the country for a long time to come. So, I, I don't, I don't dismiss that. I, I respect him for what he did, how he, how he did it. Uh, I've been in the House now for just over six years, Tony, and just believe that strongly that in the Senate, we need a new era, a new generation of conservative leadership there to shake it up. And Indiana is a conservative state. Indiana deserves a conservative senator uh, representing us in the United States Senate. Mike Braun has been a reliable conservative, especially on fiscal responsibility and, and balanced budgets and cutting wasteful spending. Um, so I, I, I just I think Indiana expects that out of their senator, and that's the track record I've had in the House. And uh, so you don't I buy into the idea that race, you don't buy into the idea that there's an old school Republican and a new school Republican, and 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 the old school are rhinos, and the new school are are, are the proper warriors. That that's not how you play. Uh, you know, I, I, I wrote a memo about this. You and I have talked about this many times before, a couple of years ago about cementing the Republican Party as the party of the working class, not being the party that represents Wall Street and corporate America, but the party that represents working people. And and uh, in my memo, I talk about that, the changing of the Republican Party. But I'm I, and I represent that that new like, like J.D. Vance. I mean, J.D. Vance and I come from the same humble uh, blue collar working class background. And we believe that the Republican Party represents uh, people like our, our working parents. And, and we're stronger today because of that, because Donald Trump shifted the scope of the Republican Party. So I do, I do think it is a new Republican Party. It's a Republican Party that represents working people, but also a, a Republican Party with a fighting spirit. And, and you're seeing that, I think, play out in this new House majority as well. 
Let's take it to one of the big subjects of the day, which is the debt limit. And uh, you've got the speaker, Kevin McCarthy, for whom uh, you voted, uh, having these conversations with the White House. Uh, Talk to me about what the issue is, because, of course, uh, the screaming and yelling is that playing with the debt limit is playing with fire and playing with the full faith and credit of the United States. And we can't allow this. And uh, a former colleague of yours, Adam Kinzinger, has uh, referred to people who engage in these kinds of things uh, as dangerous, like he involved, you know, people who didn't vote for Kevin McCarthy were legislative terrorists and who wanted to have more rights. Where are we on the debt limit? Are we going to raise it? And what concessions do you believe you'll get out of the White House? And how far will you go to get them? Yeah, that's hilarious coming from Kinzinger, who served in Congress, who knows full and well that Congress and the legislative process is, is entirely a, a – um, the, the whole experience is about negotiation. And, uh, and the debt limit fight sets up a, an important negotiation, an opportunity – to address the fiscal issues of our time. We, we have a majority. The American people voted uh, to give us a majority because we promised them that we would fight for fiscal responsibility. And, and the debt limit fight fights sets up an opportunity for us to do that. So Speaker McCarthy is meeting with President Biden this week to lay out um, our goals in these negotiations and to, uh, opportunities uh, as we if we raise the debt limit and coming out of that has to be uh, a number of reforms that will set us down a path to pay off the national debt. It's just that simple. That's what the American people expect us to do. And that's what I'm talking about. You have, a, you have an era of some Republicans who believe that we should go along to get along, just raise the debt limit, um, don't do anything about it. it uh, and then you have the rest of us who believe that uh, these are important fights that will determine the future of this great country and whether or not it will survive or not. So... We've got to use the majority, the power of the majority. Speaker McCarthy is fighting to do that, and and we'll know more after he meets with President Biden later this week. What is the cut? What is the cut that you, Congressman Jim Banks, want to see to say, yes, I'll raise the debt limit? Well, I've seen some projections that show that if we cut annually one, two hundred billion dollars off of the the current uh, trajectory, then that would send us down a path to to pay off the national debt in a course of uh, 10 to 12 years. So there are project- projections that I've seen that would do that. I mean, cut, cut wasteful spending. There's a lot of it. It's all across the board in the federal government. But I, I think you can also, you know, 10 years ago, it was the Budget Control Act and, and uh, some of the, the negotiations, similar negotiations that led to budget reforms. But we got to get back to the point where we're passing balanced budgets to begin with. And with a House majority, we have an opportunity to do that. Is there a you you talk about just generalized dollars? I'm asking, is there a generalized topic? Is there a program that you're like, let's cut that one? Is there something on the chopping block that is tangible that we could all take a look at? Yeah, I think it, it, it is across the board. I mean, the, and the budget committee is taking up uh, this process in the House. My friend Jody Arrington from Texas is chairing the committee. They're going to come up with a budget and put it on the floor that will be a balanced budget. And that, that requires us, Tony, to cut across the board, hundreds of billions of dollars across the board, current trajectories. Yes, we have the, all of the excessive uh, so-called uh, COVID uh, relief funding that is expiring. And that's why you're seeing spending dip for the moment. 
but all of that spending skyrockets after the dip on the current trajectory uh, trajectory of of the federal budget. So we have to cut across the board. I've seen I've seen uh, uh, some good um, uh, figures of what that would look like, but it, but it has it has to be across the board. Before I let you go, sir, talking about the race for Senate, you are a Republican candidate for Senate in the state of Indiana. Mitch Daniels, as we discussed, getting out, uh, not even getting into the race, not necessarily getting out of the race, not getting into the race. Uh, Will there be a call from you to the former governor uh, asking Mitch Daniels to campaign with you? Well, again, I I respect him, admire him and and, uh, spoke to him before um, before I got into the race. I I, I decided to get into the race before I knew he was even thinking about it, and called him to, to tell him that. So I'm sure at some point there will be an opportunity for us to uh, uh, talk further about the, the importance of the, of, of the campaign and, and the opportunity to go to the Senate and serve our great state. And there's a lot that I, a lot that I can learn from him and, and uh, talk to him about. So I look, I look forward to that, but I, I don't know when that might happen. Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, uh, Rep. Jim Banks on the Twitter box. Check him out there, sir. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Um, I think that Indiana is going to be a very fascinating place in 2024. And there are not many times where Indiana politics play big on the national scene, at least in an election. We've had RIFRA conversations, abortion conversations, sure. But politically, it doesn't happen much. The last time it happened for Republicans was when uh, the vote of Republicans mattered in the primary for 2016, making giving it to Donald Trump over Ted Cruz. Before that, you would go to, was it 2008 for Democrats, when they actually had a say in making Barack Obama the candidate, right? Yeah, Senate control, big governor's race. Who's going to now run for those congressional races? going to be a lot to the state of Indiana and on the national scene. This is Tony Katz today.